Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Bobby Maximus and Joe Sabula. We are kicking off season two, uh, and we are super excited to have Joy Taylor on the show. Uh, Joy is a, now Joy, I don't know the proper title that you go by, media personality, sports analyst, sports prognosticator, like what <laughs> is your job title? Uh, any of those work. All right. Any of those work. All acceptable. You like it? You're a podcaster, and uh, I mean, honestly, you're damn good at what you do. I was just telling Joe and you off air that, you know, you and uh, Colin suck about three hours of my day every single day, <laughs> Monday to Friday anyway, from watching it. Um, but Joe made me promise that I wouldn't ask too many sports questions. I want to grill you about John Gruden. I want to grill <laughs> you about Kyrie. I love the way you break down sports and how you, you know, keep it real, honestly. Um, but we want to learn more about you today as opposed to just your views on sports. So um, first of all, can you tell us how you got into broadcasting? So I studied broadcast journalism at Barry University in Miami, but I kind of always wanted to work in television. I, I have that like traditional media story of like doing, you know, news shows in my bedroom with like my, you know, hairbrush as the microphone. Um, but yeah, I, I studied in school and I, I played sports growing up. I played basketball, soccer, volleyball, and track growing up. And obviously come from a football family. So sport and grew up in Pittsburgh, which is a sports town. Everyone I know from Pittsburgh is a sports fan to some degree. So I just grew up around sports, grew up playing sports, grew up loving and watching sports and then studied broadcast journalism at Barry. So when I started at Barry, I started at the student radio station there um, hosting a show, which was, I'm sure I couldn't sit through 30 seconds of now, <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was, it's for students, you know, it's to learn how to run the, run the board, how to book guests, how to put together a rundown and, and, you know, do, radio. And I started in radio as my first love and started interning in Miami. So that's, that's how I got into the business. Was it sports or bust for you? Like, did you always have a dream? Like when you started off on this road that you were going to be in the sports world, or would you have been okay being on broadcast news or something that you didn't say have a passion for? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I can do anything, but I can't be great at everything. And, um, that is just due to like my nature, my, my, anyone who knows me personally knows like, like they'll joke with me that I'm like a terrible actress. Like I can't hide my emotions or my feelings or like my energy is just out there on my skin. So I think I'm being like, you know, very manipulative or something. And they're like, uh, joy's in a bad mood. Like it's, that's just how I am. So I can't, I couldn't passionately do something um, well that I didn't care about. And, and news is very interesting, especially now. And I kind of saw it going in this direction when I was in college, but I actually told the story yesterday. My favorite professor was a storied, uh, legendary reporter in Miami. And she covered uh, incredible stories throughout the history of uh, Miami. She was uh, in courtrooms and, you know, just all, all over the world covering the news. And she's like, you would be a great reporter. You know, you're tough. Like you get, you get to the bottom of things. You're very smart. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, I don't want to be a reporter. Like I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't want to be the person that has to find the source and, you know, get to the bottom of the story. I want somebody else to do that. And then I can react to the story. 
And so I never really had a passion for uh, what I consider to be true journalism, which to me is in the same category as like a doctor or a lawyer or teacher in that you have a responsibility to the public. And so journalism to me is a very sacred thing because journalists tell history. They find the truth and they have a responsibility to, to do that with the least amount of human bias as possible. And that that's a very specific title that I think is saved for very specific people. It's kind of thrown around a little flippantly lately. Everybody's not a journalist. A lot of people are opinionists and not journalists. And there's a very big difference to me. So I always wanted to be in a space where I was talking about things I was passionate about, which is obviously sports, but also, you know, you can be a sports journalist and I, I didn't want to do that either. So I always wanted to be a personality and I, I sort of shaped my career and took uh, jobs and opportunities based off of building on the idea of being a personality. So Joy, was that like in the back of your mind day one, when you, you got your first job out of college that you were always kind of leaning into building that? Like, did you have that foresight or were you kind of reacting as, as opportunities came up and then one day we're like, well, I can actually make this happen? No, I always wanted to be a personality. I always had a lot to say. I enjoyed working on shows that allowed me to kind of exist in that space and be creative. And um, my internships provided me with the opportunity to do that and uh, built that muscle of, you know, being entertaining while also... Yeah you know, being informative. And so, I, yeah, I never wanted, to, I had opportunities obviously to do, you know, more hardcore reporting. And I did do some, you know, freelance reporting. It's not that I'm not even still, you know, in a reporting space, I, I don't break stories, but, you know, very often we'll be on a show and a show, a story will break and I have to make sure that I'm relaying it, you know, to everyone else in a very accurate way. But uh, the journalist part of it, the reporter part of it was never really a, the passion of mine. I always wanted to be someone who reacts to the story as opposed to telling the story. That makes sense. Now, you mentioned something that I picked up on. You mentioned keeping it real. And I just got to say your Twitter is the most <laughs> enjoyable place to be on the planet because you let people have it on a regular basis. But what I want to know is sometimes some of the criticism that you get from people, does it hurt your feelings? Because, and I'll just tell you where I'm coming from. You're one of the best in the business. You're extremely knowledgeable. I think it's, you know, way overdue that Fox gives you your own show. Sorry, I got a little man here. Hold on, buddy. It's okay. Hi. He's, he's got some Kyrie Irving tendencies. <laughs> ignore him, but. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> Does it does it hurt your feelings, some of the criticism you get, or do you take it in stride? I don't have feelings, so no. But I, I will say that it, it's it's part of the business. Like if you're going to be a public figure, you're going to get criticized all the time. Uh, like I, I, I am aware that I have to be perfect all the time uh, or I'm going to get told about myself. And even when I am perfect, I'm going to or like as close to it, I'm going to be told about myself because people are miserable and that's just what it is. And I, I, I don't, I don't assume that these people would ever say it's my face and the type of person that I am, I am a very, I'm a communicator for a living. So if you're not comfortable saying something to someone's face, I don't really think that you mean it in some ways, you know, like you don't, you don't yeah. really have the guts to say that. 
So the, the internet is a, is the wild west for anonymous comments and, and Twitter warriors and keyboard gangsters. And so, you know, I think you just have to, you, everyone has a different way of dealing with things. So you're going to get it no matter what, whether you're a man or a woman, you're going to get it worse. If you're a woman, you're going to get it even worse. If you're a black woman, that's just how it goes. And it's not right. And it's bullshit, but you have to find your way of dealing with it. Like some people just don't read comments at all. That works for them. Some people respond to everyone that works for them. Some people are like me. I just kind of pick and choose when I want to interact and I'll, you know, sacrifice someone to the, uh, to the hive every once in a while. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's just, it's like anything else in life. You know, you have to have some balance with it and, and whatever works for your own, you know, personal mental health. I don't, it's not normal the way that the, these platforms are set up. Like we're, we as humans are not designed to receive so much immediate and constant feedback, positive or negative on anything that we do. It's just, that's not normal. You know, if you did something well, well, you know, you made your bed the right way. Your mom would tell you, you did a good job. Okay. That's enough. Like that's a compliment. Move on with your day. Uh, you messed up the yard. Your dad tells you you did a bad job. You know, your, your self-esteem is down for a second. You get over it, you fix it, you grow, that's a good, and you move on. But the internet is just a constant barrage of either like, you're amazing, you're beautiful, you're the best, blah, or the other way. And it's like, it's a lot to take in and process what's real and what's just white noise. So I can just consider all of it white noise. Never get too high, never get too low on anything that's happening on those devices. And that's how I manage it. So I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but like in short, I just, I have no feelings. Well, that's, I mean, it's, it's probably good because I feel like we're in a place as well where female sportscasters, and I want to get rid of, I want to actually start calling men male sportscasters because you would never refer to Stephen A. Smith as a male sportscaster, but some, for some reason, when it's a woman, the female name gets dropped in front of it. But yeah. I feel like some of the criticism you get is unfair. Like I said, you're really damn good at your job, but thank you. You're you're Jason Taylor's sister. And so people got to bring that up. And that's the only reason she's got a job or she's an attractive woman. And that's the reason she's got a job. Like people are always taking cheap shots at you. And so I wanted to kind of know if you kind of filtered that out or, or not. Yeah. You know? I mean, I just like, like I said, everyone's going to have something to say. Everyone has something to say. Everyone has an opinion. The way I look at it, aside from everything I just said is, you know, if I wouldn't ask for your advice, I don't care about your opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's just with anything in life. Like if, if you're not somebody that whose, whose opinion and advice I truly respect, why do I care about what you have to say about anything that I'm doing? So if it's a mentor, if it's a boss, you know, if it's a potential partner and they're like, eh, da, 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 okay, I'll hear you out or it's a colleague or, you know, a, a peer, that's different. But if you're just like a person who doesn't know anything about my business, who doesn't really know anything about what I do every day, who doesn't know me at all, uh, why do I care what you have to say about what I do think or say? It just doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change the course of my life. If anything, it's just going to bring me down. And so I just don't even allow for that kind of input to affect me. 
Fair. Now, now another thing I noticed, you're really into, I want to say activism, charity. You've got the Joy Taylor Foundation. I want to say the charity that you've been supporting recently is Beauty to the Streets, mm-hmm. where, you know, you do a bunch of stuff with homeless people in Los Angeles and, and things like that. And um, you have a really good cause. Do you consider yourself a role model or do you want to be for people? Um, I mean, it's, I don't, I think we're all kind of role models in in some ways. If you're in the public space, you're a public figure, whether you want to be or not. I think for a long time, I didn't really, I didn't, I maybe I was just too young to understand. Um, and now I just am aware that people are watching what I'm doing and they're watching what I'm saying. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to show people through your actions, not just, you know, your words, what it is that you can do to, actually help other people, then you should do that. And, and for me, I've always been involved in the community in some way or another. And working with Shirley has just given me the opportunity to, you know, use my platform to help them, um, which, you know, I'm, is, is an easy thing for me to do, you know, post a story on my, you know, Instagram or something about the Amazon wish list or something. And, you know, that, that actually helps them. Like people do go and go donate. And then I can also physically go down and volunteer and also, you know, help spread awareness and, and, you know, advocate for these programs. And, you know, I just, I think it's important to do because we all talk about how we want the world to be better and we should all be better and we should help each other. And, you know, not that if you don't go out and volunteer, you're not helping. There's many ways to, be an advocate or an ally. You don't actually have to, you know, be on the street corner and skid row. But for me, I think it's important because I'm capable of doing that to, to physically be there as well. And as much as, you know, I try to help them, it's, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to help other people. It's, it was, uh, it's been an amazing experience to be able to just give back and, you know, spend a couple hours with the most vulnerable people in Los Angeles that are, you know, forgotten and kind of talked about as like a disease to the city or something like they're not, you know, just our neighbors who are in a bad way for any number of reasons. You know, it could be veterans, it could be a disabled person, it could be, you know, an addiction problem, it could be an economic problem, a mental health issue. Um, you know, there's a million reasons why people fall on hard times. And I think that there's a, a, an overall, there's a judgment factor for why someone is there. And that's just, you know, a lack of awareness and education. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's important to me to be able to help, help Shirley and she's helped me in more ways than she, than she would ever know. Um, but they do a wonderful job down there. And I, I started the foundation mostly because I want to help build a bigger platform to advocate for those programs. I, I just partnered with uh, the Urban Resource Institute um, in New York City. They're the largest homeless and domestic violence shelter in the country. So I'm an ambassador for them as well. So they're they're a partner with the foundation um, announcing that soon as well. So, yeah, it's it's, it's very important to me, not not just to be like a role model, but, you know, people talk a lot of shit and, you know, people, you know, want to go out and talk about voting and on, on both sides and politicians and government. And it's like, OK, what are you doing? And you're right outside your front door. 
are you just complaining about everything on Facebook or do you actually put in the work to, to help other people as well? Not, and I'm not saying I like I'm better for doing that, but because I think of myself that way, I don't want to be that person that's just complaining and not doing anything. Yeah. Amen. And, and I, one thing that I'm hearing here, because this is like definitely a passion project for you that comes through very clearly, but you have a lot of demands on your time. Uh, just, just with your career, your show, you do the podcast. How do you, I guess, manage all of that so that you have time to both pour yourself into these different uh, projects that you're involved in that you're passionate about and still have time to talk smack on Twitter? <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that whole adulting schedule thing. Um, as, <laughs> as Bobby will tell you, I'm still... <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to try to keep my calendar in order. I freaked out and, uh, and, uh, messaged him like, Oh my God, I have to reschedule. I'm sorry. Like, wait a minute. No, I'm already scheduled on the right day. Uh, the, honestly, the Twitter thing is usually like when I'm in an Uber or, you know, like sitting on the couch, uh, like in a commercial break or something, like I don't spend a lot of time, uh, sifting through, you know, the, the nonsense that, that people say. So it's more of just like a sprinkle here and there. I, I wish actually, I wish that the interaction about sports and like the dialogue about sports could be re- not removed, but just in a space where it's just a little more civil, yeah. you know, like it's fun to argue about sport. I like, I like, you know, going back and forth about topics, but it's like, it's always going to end up being some some cornball making it disrespectful. And then it's like, you ruin the whole conversation. Like, can we actually have a dialogue about anything? And it's very hard to have nuanced conversations on the internet. So that's obviously why, you know, it generally leads there. Although, you know, most of these people that are doing that don't even know what nuance means. So. (laughs) So on that note, I've actually been a convert. I've found myself more and more into Fox sports versus ESPN. Three years ago, I would have said I was ESPN all the way. And now there's a bunch of shows on Fox Sport, Marcellus Wiley and, and Emmanuel Acho. I love that show. You're on that sometimes. Um, Undisputed. I love your show. Like, I think you guys are, are, you know, taking over. Do you take some kind of pride or, you know, um, I don't know, some satisfaction in the like Team Fox is starting to maybe outdo ESPN a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been at Fox at FS1 for almost six years now, five and a half years. And, you know, I came right kind of at the transition of, of shows and they were still building, you know, the, the daily lineup of shows and so much has changed from since I got there to what we have going on now. And obviously being able to launch undisputed with Skip and Shannon, you know, Skip going to a new network, which was huge. Shannon being on a debate, show format for the first time, which was huge. And then now, you know, having worked with Colin for a couple of years, three years now and helping to, you know, expand our audience and, and build our show and chemistry to, to what it is now is, has been awesome. I mean, they've all been incredible to work with and, you know, I'm really proud of our, our lineup of, of shows and Marcellus and Emmanuel do an amazing job. First things first, Nick Wright and, and the crew on first things first do a great job as well. So, you know, I, I, I'm definitely proud of it. it. Everyone works really hard and, you know, we're kind of like a boutique company in, in some ways, you know, because we are, are, we don't have, you know, 60 shows. 
and 70 podcasts. I mean, obviously that company is, is massive. So, you know, we all, we all have a, a little bit of our own, you know, blood, sweat and tears and in, in building the network into what it is. I like it. Do you have any aspirations? Do you want your own show? Like, I mean, you're great with Colin. You're great when you appear as a panelist on the other shows, but do you want the Joy Taylor show? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the next step for me in my career is to, you know, not, not necessarily by myself, but, you know, to be a headline host on, on my own show. And that's, you know, what I've been working for since I came to LA and joined FS1. So, you know, the radio show on Saturdays has been great for me. Um, it was a really important step and to be a part of, you know, a national networks radio lineup and, be able to host my own solo show has been really um, huge for me. So yeah, that, that's definitely what my, my next step, you know, aspiration is and, and what I'm working towards. Can you hire Bomani or Katie Nolan? Those are my two choices. When you get a co-host, you just got to. Bomani has like three shows now. I can't afford Bomani. <laughs> uh, no, Bomani is incredible. And Katie is a, is a dear friend. Um, I love both of them. They're both super talented, but um yeah, I mean, I would be be blessed to work with either one of them. They're the the best. What's your ultimate goal? If if we said like five years from now, ten years from now, whatever that is. I mean, my ultimate goal would be to have my own network or you know produce my own content and be able to provide platforms for other people and you know produce content with other people as well outside of my own show. I. You know, I, I love being able to do the creative side of the business as well as uh, on camera. And, I, and you know, I, I, along and aligned with that, diversity in, in this business is obviously something that's very important to me and, a, you know, a passion of mine. And I, you know, make it a point to exercise that whenever I do have the opportunity to, you know, make any kind of decisions of like, like that and have that power. So, you know, I think that, and I believe that the more diverse this business is, the less of a thing, as you mentioned earlier, a male sportscaster, a female sportscaster, you know, the, the more even the business becomes, the more even the pay becomes, the more even behind the scenes, the executive level, everything becomes, the better the overall products will be because it will tell a more complete story. And I think, you know, things like what happened with Gruden which obviously like, you know, he's not a good guy. That's obviously how he lives his life, but having a lack of diversity in certain spaces often leads to ignorant people being in power for a long time because other ignorant people hire these people and tolerate their bullshit for so long, they feel entitled to continue behaving that way. And as I said on the show, um, those are the people that hire people and those are, the, that's how they pay people. That's how they treat people. That's how the culture is where they're in charge. So to me, it's, it's bigger than just being able to produce content, um, for other people and give other people a platform, uh, along with my own show. It's, it's also about, you know, removing the idea that having a diverse workplace is something that's like, you know, some liberal agenda and just more of like a reflection of what the world looks like. Yeah. Well, Joy, you're preaching to the choir here. I'm Canadian. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm what I'm what I live in the States now, but I get called a leftist every day. I get called a socialist. I get I tried to explain to somebody what Canada was like. And I'm like, take Portland or California. And they're like Texas compared to Canada. So (laughs) I love that about you. Listen, we have a game to play with you. Uh, I steal stuff from your show because I love it and I love the format. And one of the things you brought up is, is people tend to have this hot take thing and they argue, but it's, it's really smart the work you and Colin do. And I like the game Dis or Dak. That was one of my favorite. I know, I like that name. <laughs> it was one of my favorites. So we're going to do this or that for you. We're going to ask you a series okay. of questions to end the podcast and you got to give me your answer. Okay. Miami Heat or Miami Dolphins? Miami Heat. I stopped letting the Dolphins hurt me a long time ago. <laughs> I love the way you phrase that. I, I'm with you. Yeah, the heat, the heat are the last team in sports that I actually let like emotionally move me. Um, like I care about the Dolphins, I care about the Steelers, but I can't like my one of my close friends is 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 my doctor, and he is a tortured Dolphins fan. And it's just like I'm just like, man, I I don't I don't miss that life. So yeah, Miami Heat. All right. I'm going to preface this because I do harbor some resentment towards you for getting to go to the Fury Wilder fight. Oh, you there. And it, it really broke my heart a little bit that I wasn't there, but UFC or boxing. Um, so I got to know my audience here. <laughs> so, okay. I will say this. I know I'm, I'm messing up the game, but boxing for heavyweights, but UFC for everything else. Like the heavyweight fight, the Fury Wilder fight was one of the uh, the best fight I've ever been to, but it was also the emotion. Like it was truly what boxing is, you know, it's just a, just a, this battle between these two giants who are pouring their souls into each other. And that like final round, you can't explain the tension and the emotion in the arena watching these two men just slug at each other with whatever's left in their spirit and like that's what's magical about boxing but you don't get that with the lighter weight fighters and UFC when you have a fighter that it, you know can do these incredible athletic feats and kicks and you know, holds and, you know, it's, it's like those lower weight classes are just brilliant to watch in UFC. So I like both of them, but I would prefer a heavyweight fight boxing and, you know, the, the lighter weights for UFC, if that makes sense. So I, I want you to know that I actually like, I I fought in the UFC, but I actually like boxing better too, but your answer gutted me a little bit because I'm six, three, two fifty. So like, is there something (laughs) wrong with my UFC career? Like I can do the correct answer should have been <laughs> anything except Bobby Maximus. <laughs> that was exciting. Come on. We're, we're, we're all right. I had to bring that up. Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. All right. I like that answer. WWE or horse racing? Uh, I know you go to the track a lot. So Yeah. Um, that's tough because I, I do. I mean, when I was a kid, I absolutely loved wrestling. And I think that WWE is just one of the best productions and entertainment products in the world. Um, I'm going to go horse racing, but WWE is close. Okay. We're going to bring it back to when it was like safe to be a Dolphins fan. Mark Duper or Mark Clayton? Uh, hmm. 
Mark Duper. All right. Who do you harbor more of a dislike for? Tom Brady or Jim Kelly? Who broke oh, your heart? I mean, <laughs> like, I was too young for Jim, Cal- uh, Jim Kelly right. to break my heart. I, I, mean, I love Jim Kelly. How can you hate Jim Kelly? Um, <laughs> but I also, I've, I've stopped hating Tom Brady. I've, I gave up that lifestyle too. After the, after the comeback against Atlanta and that Super Bowl in Houston, I was like, what's the point? Well, I'm not going to live my life the rest of how many two decades Tom Brady plays hating watching the greatest player to ever play this sport. That's a waste of my time. And, and I, it stuck with me because I would hear people talk about Michael Jordan and they would say, I, I wish I appreciated Michael when he played because he was always just kicking my team's ass. So I hated him and I never really actually appreciated watching him play. And I was like, that's a good point. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be that person. It, you know, if I, if I get to watch a goat, I'm just going to enjoy them. And after that comeback, I was like, hey, he's the greatest ever to do it. I can't, I can't hate him. Plus he wrote a nice letter for my brother to get into the hall of fame. So fair enough. Jets Patriots. Um, ugh. <laughs> I knew I would get, <laughs> I guess I got to go jets. I was a jets fan for one year. I, I was a Jets fan for one year with my brother. It was, it was fun to be the villain for, for once. So I'll go Jets. <laughs> I better dressed Marcellus or Emmanuel. Cause they have a little contest every day. Yeah, they do sweat swag wars. Um, Emmanuel brings the heat. I mean, he's, he, he, he's got the extra, the extra sprinkle on it. I love cell cells, my big bro, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the nod to Emmanuel. All right. The rock or Bobby Maximus. I Bobby Maximus. See, I like you. You just made up for calling me an <laughs> untalented fighter, I think is what you're talking about. <laughs> and the final one, and you're not allowed to be biased. Okay. We have Lawrence Taylor mm. or Hall of Famer and possibly the best looking man in the history of the NFL, Jason Taylor. I'll go Jason Taylor. Um, right. But I will say... Lawrence Taylor is one of those. He is one of those players that is in a separate category from all of the other greats because he changed, like he morphed the sport. And there's like certain players that had that kind of effect, whether it was the time and talent that they had of when they played or, you know, I think Steph Curry is one of those guys who, will remember as someone who just transformed how he played basketball because he, he was so is so excellent at something that's changed the sport in the three point shot that he's just transformed the game. So even though he may not be, you know, you might not say, Oh, Steph Curry's the greatest basketball player of all time, or Lawrence Davis, the greatest football player of all time. They have that extra thing um, on their resume that kind of puts them in a separate room but jason jason's obviously amazing and he had an incredible incredible career and it was awesome to be able to be there with him when he found out he was getting in the hall of fame yeah for sure do you do you experience like are your two teams pittsburgh and i mean well you said you gave up on the dolphins but are those your two teams like what would you say your favorite teams are yeah i mean i grew up in pittsburgh so i'll always root for the steelers and you know, I, I obviously still follow them uh, more closely than other teams in the NFL, but I also obviously follow the Dolphins my entire life. And I was a Dan Marino fan who's a pit guy. So 
Um, I just, I just have two teams and that's just, I, and I know they're both in the AFC. I know, but like, it's just what this, what it is. Like, I can't, I can't not root for the Steelers and I have so many ties to the dolphins and watched and covered them for so long. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's like Miami, I grew up in Pittsburgh, but like I became a woman in Miami. So I have like a, just a split you know, loyalty for, for both of those teams. And obviously I will love the bulls growing up, but there's no Pittsburgh, there's no basketball team in Pittsburgh. So, you know, Miami is like my, my second, I wasn't going to watch the bulls without Michael Jordan. So, um, you know, the Miami heat obviously are my, my basketball team. So. Now, one more thing. The other day, I think you referred to Cowboys fans as delusional. Was that a personal shot at me as well? Or was that? (laughs) I don't don't think that Cowboys fans are delusional. I picked the Cowboys to win the division this year. I I love Dak. Like, I am a huge Dak Prescott fan. I was always, from the beginning, advocating for Dak to be paid and get his long-term contract. I thought it was insanity that they gave uh, Ezekiel Elliott's the contract before Dak Prescott and was obviously right about that as well. Um, but I do think the problem with the Cowboys is we, there's a next step, right? They got to win in the postseason and take that next step. We know they're super talented. I love what the defense has done this year. Micah Parsons is incredible. Um, they have so many amazing stars and, and, and talents and they're all coming together and playing well together, which is the next, you know, step in, in the growth of a complete team. Um, but I just want to see it in the postseason. Like I I've seen, I've seen great regular season teams from the Cowboys before and it falls apart in crunch time. So I want to see them take the next step in the postseason before I start putting them into the contender category. But I am not a Dallas Cowboys hater. My mom's a Dallas Cowboys fan. I don't have any animosity towards the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but I, that's just, that's where I'm at with them because I've seen this before and I, I love everything they got going on, but I just need to see the next step. Fair. Well, listen, this has been a blast. Uh, Joe and I are huge fans of what you do. Keep up the good work. Uh, we love watching you. Where can people support you? Uh, like, obviously, like, it's not hard to go to Google and type Joy Taylor and find all kinds of stuff or go to Instagram. But where can people support the Joy Taylor Foundation, uh, Beauty to the Streets, those type things? Because they're obviously important to you. Well, thank you guys for having me. It was a good time. Um, I really appreciate it. You can follow me on social media at Joy Taylor Talks. You can check out the foundation at Joy T Foundation. Obviously, I'm on the herd weekdays on FS1 with Colin on Thursday Night Football, Scouts feed on Prime Video. So you can watch the, sh- the game on Prime Video, change your audio feed to Scouts feed. You can listen to myself, Bucky Brooks, and Daniel Jeremiah. Or you can watch on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash move the sticks. It's actually a fun way to watch the game. We have a chat going and it's a good hang. And then I also have my show on Saturdays uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports Radio. So pretty much anything you're doing <laughs> throughout the day, you can find me. You're there 24-7, 365. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Because you're the last of a dying breed.